Welcome to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Until you wake up from the American dream, financial uncertainty will be your American reality. Join Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto and their guest as they explore how you can attain financial liberty by uncovering truths that have been kept secret for decades. Have you ever played a game and didn't know the rules? How can you ever win? Learn the rules to the game and in turn, learn how to win. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Financial Liberty Project with Sam Legaspi and Ko Sukamoto. Good morning, guys. How are you? Hey, hey. How's it going? Doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. How's everybody? I'm fantastic. Samia, yeah, you sound like you're excited to be here. <laughs> I am rocking and rolling, man. I love it. I love the I, I love the fact that we're we're out and about and we're doing one of these and and uh, you know just hey man this is all this is what it's about to go ahead and um, provide some information and some stories and you know because what we found is is that we're pretty good storytellers and and you know I, I like the fact that sometimes when we get into it we. We start talking about uh, some of like could be top headlines. It could be what we did for the weekend. It could be anything. And and what's interesting in speaking, I think you agree with this, is that there's a lot of a lot of our people that we work with and we talk about and or we talk to, and, and they always seem to really gravitate to the stories, not necessarily the 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 topic that we may say. Oh, well, interest rates are doing this, or the meeting that's going on with the Federal Reserve at this particular you know place and moment in time. What they're really interested in in the stories that you and I have had in the encounters, because a lot of times we we encounter people that are very interesting, and they themselves have very interesting stories, and we're able to convey that, uh, yeah. you know, on air. No, it's it's so true, and I think that's why math was such a hard subject for me in college because. Uh, I don't think that's a subject that you can tell a lot of stories about, unless maybe you're Einstein. If you live with Einstein, you've got some stories to tell about some math experiences there. But I remember in college, I got so bored in math that that I had to self study. I couldn't, I could not bear a lecture. So I I wound up going down to Corona del Mar and just hanging out at the beach, and then I'd study the, the material. And I, and I actually did pretty well in math, but it was. It was not because uh, the subject was found to be interesting. Um, there was no way a professor could come up with stories for for that topic. But I think pretty much anything else, Sam, um, there can be some good stories. So I think math math is a lone subject there that's just standing out there on its own. <laughs> Unless you had, you remember, uh, you remember those schoolhouse rock days? I don't. Did they have a math thing? I think Zero was my hero. I think that was my favorite show. <laughs> remember Schoolhouse Rocks? You got me. It was. It was a, a different generation. A, no, it it was around because I remember I was. You maybe don't five, remember six, Schoolhouse Rocks? Old. Yeah. It, Coast. There, okay, there, there was a show that was called Conjunctions, and it was conjunction, junction. What's, what's your function? function? And then yeah. they talked about conjunctions, right? <laughs> and how you. to use them. And I'm a I bill. Remember the other one. one's a bill, right? Yeah, and and yeah, I'm just a bill, right? Yes. Right? And, yeah, these were such great things. And you know what? They don't have them anymore, but they were kind of like Sesame Street type of deals where they're really cool. They were free, and then they would be in between cartoons. And and one of them happened to be Zero is My Hero. And because Zero was affiliated with the number 10, Zero, 100, you know, and, and it, it taught you things, right? So they tried to make math into a storytelling type of thing, but I agree with you, man. I mean... Math wasn't my strongest subject. I tell you that. I'm, you know, you heard me so many times. Is that, you know, 
in, in workshops and in, in, in public is that uh, I, I may look Asian, man, but, you know, <laughs> I'm the one guy that's not very good in math. <laughs> well, I know that for a fact. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. That's terrible. Actually, you're pretty good at math, and I think you're, you're upholding the stereotype there, brother. No, I think you know I'm I'm a I think I'm a wizard, honestly, at math. As soon as you give me a calculator, I can punch those buttons with the best of them, baby. <laughs> yeah. So we got some stories today. Is that what we're leading up to? No, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a function, like you know. So it, it's it's actually pretty interesting, goes is that I had a um, I had a conversation, as I always do, with uh, with these individuals at the hockey rink, and um, you know, of course, they were talking about politics because these guys that hang around the, uh, the hockey rink, some of them are are uh, related to individuals that. Um, that are in office. And so, you know, they're talking and there's, there's a, there's some business owners there and they like to talk about politics. And one of the things that came up was really interesting that I had to interject and I throw myself into. And, and the question was, you know, do politics and investing mix? And I was like, whoa, that's actually a very, very good topic. I may have to go ahead and, 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 and then see if we can insert this into our podcast. And it's actually really, really interesting because, um, you know, the, the question, the topic of, you know, politics and investing, do they mix? I know that that investing and, and uh, you know, has an effect on politics, but do politics and investing mix? So, again, you know, I mean, it, it's interesting that that um, invest, investing does have a uh, an effect on politics. And, and real quick, how does it? Because... Obviously, if you have investments go higher, if the stock market goes higher, it certainly does help. It gives, it gives a candidate uh, the ability to say, "Hey, look what I've done," and they can point to a strong economy or a strong market, and they can point to the fact that people's retirement plans are up 15, 20 percent, or whatever they might be. So they can go ahead and pound their chest like a, like a gorilla and say, "Yeah, you know, that's because of me," and you can thank me for it. And if you vote for me for another four years, you're going to get more of it. So investing does help politics, but the question is, does politics help investing? And this is a this was the point that that this group was talking about, and and you know it, it was interesting that that I came across a snippet from one of the sharks, you know, Mark Cuban. Mm. Uh, he's a he's a figurehead, just a phenomenal dude, man. I mean, we all know Mark Cuban what he's done, and and whatever he says really has a lot of weight. And what he said back in um, I think it was 2016 in an interview on TV. Uh, was really compelling. He had indicated that that he felt that uh, a Trump win would cause the markets to tank, that the the markets would get hit really hard, and 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 um, and, and it caused him to place a hedge with regards to his own personal holdings on stocks and bonds in the event that the market had tanked because of a Trump win. And uh, what was interesting is that he couldn't. I mean, if you look back now, I mean, 2016, we're in 2019. I mean, he was wrong. He was dead wrong because the markets actually went higher. And so you have this figurehead saying that, and it's, you know, I mean, I'm sure he scared a ton of people and probably a lot of individuals thought the markets was, uh, were, were going to come down because he's Mark Cuban and he wouldn't be saying this because he's ultra smart. He must know something that's going on, but then yet the markets went up. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that a Trump win meant that businesses would, uh, would allow to, to, to expand and grow, hire more employees. And we all know that more employees um, out there means that there's more money that uh, that they can utilize to chase goods with. So uh, it creates a stronger economy. But it, there's so many examples, Coase, and throughout history that shows um, figureheads, they, they, they try to insert themselves with politics and investing. And 
And many times they couldn't be more wrong because there's two sides, right? You got one side that's saying, oh, all hell's going to break loose. Then you have another side that says, no, all hell is not going to break loose. So the side that believes that all hell's going to break loose, they're going to miss out. Think about it. Back in like 2009, 2010, the side that said, hey, you know, all hell's going to break loose. And they stayed on the sidelines. And you and I know many people like that, Coase. As a matter of fact, there's a guy on a fishing boat down oh, in San Diego. Exactly. You, you must have just read my mind, Sam. Yeah, I think that's I did. the individual I was just now thinking about. Yeah, I, go, I mean, you remember him? Absolutely. I mean, this guy was a former CEO, and he had millions and millions of dollars. And he had the opinion of being on one side, right? So go ahead and tell so, the story. Right. So we're, what, we're in 2019. I think we met this guy in the back of his boat. Probably around what 2014. I'm thinking. I think, no, I think it was sooner because uh, I recall. I recall that uh, the the um, the United States just got downgraded from AAA to AA. Okay, by so Standard what Force. was that? 2011. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Time frame, and uh, and he's kind of boasting about how he um, he's predicting a demise in the market, and he went all cash, right? He sold, he sold all his positions and he went all cash, right? And, um, and the market just proceeded to march on up. And, you know, we're looking, we're looking at 2019 right now and uh, had, you know, who knows what he did. I mean, we haven't talked to him uh, after that. Uh, he's probably, you know, he, he probably got very confused and he tried to get back in the market. Then he probably got scared again, pulled out and went all cash and saying, okay, this time it's really going to go down only for it to continue to march up. So, um, you know, it, it, I don't know if that was a real political decision that caused him to, you know, to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to choose to do that. But um, there's a lot of politics involved in, in when people make decisions about what to do with their money because they're, they're fearful that, um, you know, some policy passed by whatever the administration is at the time could have a detrimental effect on, the, on their, you know, stock portfolios. And, um, you know, your, your example of Mark Cuban was exactly that. And, um, you know, it was kind of interesting because when, uh, when Mark did that, I think the futures were actually pointing down in the morning before um, uh, the market opened, you know, the, the, day, the day after he won, the, uh, Trump won the election. But the market reversed and it just started climbing like, you know, like, like crazy. But it's just, you know, I, it um, reminds me of... Something that you know, you and I always talk about is when we're asked, okay, so what should we do with our money? How do you, how do we how do we figure out what to do? And we we give them the analogy. It's like, well, it's kind of like a fool's game if you try to predict what's going to happen. Maybe a smarter way to do that is what we do every day when we when we wake up and we we get ready to go outside. One of the first things that we do is what we check the weather, right, Sam? <laughs> we we yeah. don't try to predict what the weather is going to do. We tell we have the weather tell us what needs to be done, and then we dress accordingly. And in investing, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Is you don't try to predict, you look at what's going on and you you invest accordingly. Not so easy to do as getting dressed, but still, it's the same philosophy. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of headline stuff, and that's the thing I think people need to. To, I mean, again, you get a figurehead like a Mark Cuban, you know, saying things like that, and uh, you know, their 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 opinion weighs a tremendous amount on 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 items, you know, on social items, and and uh, you know, the 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 interesting part again is that we can go back in history and we can actually identify certain situations where where oh my gosh, you know, this is what's going to happen. But people have to understand that the S and P or even the stock market, the Dow Jones, was at under two thousand back about twenty five, twenty eight years ago. And in that period of time, 
every single year there was a significant event, whether it was uh, geopolitical, whether it was related to weather, weather, something that really the market grabbed onto that that really freaked a tremendous amount of people out and may have caused people to stay out of the markets. But again, here we are. I mean, again, being when I got when I got into the business um, back in 1993, uh, that was a long time ago. I mean, the Dow was under 2000. And uh, here we are, you know, and, and it's not been a fun ride from the standpoint. I can't say it's been a fun ride. It is a fun ride. But what I mean is it, I can't say that it's not been a rocky ride. It's been a very rocky ride. But the rocky ride has trended up. And that's really kind of what, what, what things boil down to. It's just really interesting that this group was talking about politics and investing. And I did bring something up because when I was talking to him, I was able to pull up this other, this other audio clip from uh, Warren Buffett. And Warren Buffett, I think it was earlier this year, February 2019, he was in, in another interview. They love to interview Warren Buffett. And by the way, he's the one dude that people, they love to listen to, but they don't adhere to. They love to listen to him, but things for some reason go in one ear and out the other. And one thing that he indicated was he said, politics and invest, investing do not mix. That's what he said in the interview. And um, you know, here's a very wise man. He had indicated that I think he was he's been investing um, to the tune of of fifteen presidents, with the exception of one. Now, fifty he was there for fifteen presidents, but he's in, he was investing um, over a period of fourteen of the fifteen presidents, seven Republicans, seven Democrats. And what did and, he do in that one term that he did not invest? Was he just laying? He was too young. On, no, he oh, was too okay. young. He was okay. a kid. He was he was sub fourteen. <laughs> Because he started when he was in his early teens, but he so, was getting ready. Yeah, so it was the first one. I don't know if it was Hoover if he if he mentioned it, but he did say that um, seven Republicans, seven Democrats, and he quickly learned that uh, they're all going to try to tip the scales. But in all reality, he just looks for opportunities. And uh, but he he did say in, in politics and investing don't mix. But he also indicated that politics, or I'm sorry, investing and politics. Investing does have an effect on politics, which it does. You know, and that's why you know, that's why the current administration's really trying to to get this market to go higher, try try for interest rates to go lower, to go and stimulate the economy, stimulate the market, so they can go ahead and point to something sometime next year and say, "Look at look at you, you're rocking and rolling." It's all because of me, you know. And uh, and and you know, it's not this particular administration that's guilty of it. It's every single administration. And you know what? If I was a president and I was trying to go ahead and get reelected, I would look at all the good things that I've done, and and hopefully it's the stock market. And I'd say, hey, see, see, look at that. And well, you Obama, want me out? Yeah, Obama's doing, still doing it. He's he's claiming that uh, it was his policies that are responsible for the you know the, the great run up. So um, you know they're both doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. So you know you have um, so the discussion right now is is uh, you know this week we're going to hear a lot of headlines about Jackson Hole because the Federal Reserve is is meeting at, at their annual meeting in in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and the discussion the, the discussion is going to be um, what are they going to do uh, for for the remaining year? Uh, are they going to reduce interest rates by you know half a percent by three quarters of a percent? You're having a Kind of some like almost Vegas odds saying that they're going to reduce rates two to three times more before the end of the year, and 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 what's interesting is that this particular this particular Federal Reserve Board has historically well this one has 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 historically since it's, it's been um it's been put in place this team 
uh, they're not very good with communication, unlike the Bernanke team or the Yellen team. They always kind of kept people in in the loop. This team is really quiet as far as um, information. And ever since he uh, uh, Jerome Powell actually reduced interest rates, this Friday, I believe, will be his very first time that he actually is going to be speaking since he reduced interest rates. Where in the past, Bernanke and Yellen, they would do something, whether it's raising interest rates or reducing interest rates, whatever it is. They would they would have a a a, um, a meeting set to answer questions, and uh, you would hear quite a few tones from them um, shortly after that that decision was made. But but this guy's a little bit different, and and I I think that's one of the reasons why Trump doesn't like him. He's a little bit different. He's not he's not playing to the tune that that um that that he wants him to be playing to. You know, so I think this week's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens. You know, it's it's uh, I think a lot of a lot of Americans know the name. Greenspan, they may not know what he was, but they know that name. They also know the name Bernanke. But uh, when I talk to people, very few, it seems, know the word Powell. <laughs> it's just like an unknown. And it kind of goes with what you were saying. No yeah. community or very little communication. His name's not going to get out. Yeah, he's a, he's a below the radar type of guy. And, and uh, but he has, you know, he, he chooses when to flex. And if you tell him to flex, he's not going to flex because you're telling him to flex. He's going to go about what's what's transpiring. And you know, again, what's interesting is that uh, about a week week and a half ago, the um, you know the markets were a little bit rough, very volatile. I think the VIX was up like 26 percent in one day, and because of the volatility that was going on, because the yield curve, the two critical points of that yield curve inverted, two uh, two critical areas inverted. They've since uninverted. Um, and, and, you know, there's speculation that we're going into a recession, but, uh, and I think they're, you know, the fed's going to be talking about that. And, and one of the, the areas why they're, they're choosing to reduce rates is that they probably see things in the future. I don't think they're reacting. I think they're trying to respond to a potential issue because, you know, right now, if you've got money and you've got a great job, you're going to say, this is a good economy. And uh, life is good because life has been good. But of course, if you don't have a good job and you're trying to find one, and 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 you're you're trying to you know you're struggling to tr- to to you know to make things go right in your in in the direction you'd like for it to go, then you probably agree with that you know the fact that we're in a recession. Um, so it's really interesting that that the Fed is actually looking to reduce interest rates. Wherein this group of people I was speaking with. They all were on the impression going, I don't know why in the world we're reducing rates because life is good. They have, you know, they're business owners, their business is flourishing, they're doing well. And uh, you know, case in point, that was that's what I was I was trying to point to is that I go, well, you know, it's it's just interesting that you guys are are doing well and you don't think there's a recession. But then yet you look at uh, Jerome Powell and he's looking to reduce rates probably another quarter to another half percent. And the consensus is he's gonna reduce rates another two to three times before December. Um, so he sees something, but here's, you know, so after that meeting goes, what I did is I, you know, me, I, I just start grasping for research and looking at stuff. And what I discovered, you know, what I discovered was 100% of the time the fed decides to lower interest rates in anticipation, in anticipation to a slowing economy, they were able to actually see or or get a, get to a point where the the economy was and the market goes up almost you know 100% of the time almost 100% of the time so in other words like like I said is that 100% of the time when the fed lowered interest rates in anticipation of a slowing economy they were able to get to the issue and not allow 
the economy to slow. And as a result, the markets were up almost 100% of the time. They were able to go ahead and anticipate. If they were late to the party, then that's when issues transpired. And I think that's kind of like what the general public of investors are trying to figure out is that, are they anticipating a recession and they're trying to get ahead of the curve or are we in it already? So pretty interesting discussion, you know? I'm just not sure if that's really politics though. I mean, that's Powell just doing his job, right? You got the Federal Reserve, they should, yeah. but, But you could say, you know, I mean, anything that's government related, whether it's, you know, political, quote unquote, or not, it really does kind of come down to policies, right? So I guess you can argue it one, argue it one way or the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know, it's cool because don't we have a slide that, that basically shows that um, all the, the trouble areas over the past, who knows how many years, you know, that there's always some significant event that throws the economy off or that should throw the market off. But then yet the market over a period of time continues to go higher and higher and higher. And again, whether it be geopolitical or whether it be weather oriented or whether it be anything, you know, uh, currency oriented, who knows, trade oriented, um, the economy typically or the market typically tends to trend higher and higher and higher and higher. Well, it's, so, it's, remember, Sam, we, we, you know, we talked about this um, you know, numerous times is why does the why does the stock market just keep going up? I mean, it does have its its moments where it corrects it. It comes down, um, but if you you know if you if you look at its history, all it's done is basically go up. And why? You know, the question is why. And and in our conversations, if you recall, we we say, well, as long as you and I and the rest of the world want to buy the next better phone, cell phone, or the next better car, or the next better whatever for our house, you know, a better washer with all the bells and whistles, you know, we want better and better things in our life. And we're willing to work for that. That's what the economy is all about. So as long as we have that desire and we have a strong military that backs up the safety and security of our country, we can focus on improving our lives and 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 therefore corporations thrive because we want to buy their products and they want to employ us because they want, you know, they need people to do the work. That's what thrives in the economy. But um, if it wasn't for those two things, a strong military and a desire for better things in life. You know, perhaps we wouldn't have the economy and we would have a downward cycle, but that's confidence. That's confidence in our economy that, you know, if we invest, then we'll see our retirement portfolios, uh, uh, you know, grow in value. And so, you know, we, we talk about how humans tend to complicate things, right, Sam? We've talked about that so many times. Um, we get phone calls. Hey, what's going on with, uh, you know, with the China trade policy? Oh, my gosh, I'm so worried. Or, you know, this and that and that and this and and what should I do? You know, I'm gonna tweak this, I'm gonna get this other thing and and I think it's gonna rock and roll and and um you know talking to my daughter who, you know, a lot of you listeners probably know she's she's only seventeen years old, but um, you know, she's she's I wouldn't say she understands it, but she does hear me talk about it, saying, Hey, honey, you know what? <laughs> if you probably just did nothing more than invest in the S and P five hundred and just ignore all the noise you'll probably do pretty well. The only time I worry is if, you know, if we were invaded and, and our military let us down, um, but, um, you know, or if people just didn't want better things in life anymore, then you probably got a problem there. But it's, um, it's just, you know, I think people just tend to complicate uh, things. And, 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 and it kind of goes to what you said about Warren Buffett, Sam, is, you know, people like to hear him, but they don't necessarily like to listen and do what he says. 
And that's because he's so simple. And, um, you know, if it's too simple, people think there's something wrong with it. They got to do something more complicated to try to get a better yield. When in fact, all they're doing is just making it difficult and, and introducing risk. So, yeah, you know, some- a lot of times, you know, what's interesting is that there's, there's uh, comments of Warren Buffett who, uh, um, he's, he, he, he stopped himself from saying the two words work hard, even though, I mean, he's, he's obviously said them in the past, but, um, but he, he likes to think that if you work hard, it, it's actually counter to what, what should come your way and that you should, you know, just, just enjoy what you do and let it all come to you because, uh, uh, he looked at it going, I didn't work hard. You know, I, I didn't over, I didn't overcomplicate things. And, 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 and exactly what we just indicated that, that they don't listen to him because he's too simple. They need for it to be harder. There's this, there's <laughs> right, this element right. that we have to go and we got to work hard to get what we want. And it's really interesting is that if you, if you look at the people around you, some of the individuals around you, um, connections, friends, acquaintances, You'll you'll t- you'll you'll typically find one or two that are very successful, and they like to say they really worked hard. But you really think about it is that they they uh, they did all the things that they worked on the process, they did everything that they needed to do, and they're now benefiting from the rewards of that effort. Yeah, just and, ask the people um, that win lotteries, right? How hard was that? Oh, I just walked across the street to the liquor store and bought some tickets, and I won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so it's interesting. I mean, it, you know, another it was another experience that we had, and uh, you know, it's 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 cool to to you know, constantly be thrusted into a discussion which really stimulates the thought. You know, stimulates my thought. <laughs> Guys, stimulating is the word. This was a great podcast today, man. I, I I had never heard that about Mark Cuban, so that was news to me. So appreciate you bringing that to us. Uh, anything else to close this podcast down right now? No. no, I think we're good. All right. That's fantastic. And thank you all for listening to the Financial Liberty Project podcast with Samuel Gatsby and Ko Sukamoto. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Sam and Coast come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share this podcast with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Financial Liberty Project, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. It's that time again where the call of the open road makes its way. We hope good fortune finds you on your own personal road. And until next time, we thank you for listening to the Financial Liberty Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.